Welcome to episode 47 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I am joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Jackson, the son, and welcome to the episode where we talk about the only genre in which kids' media isn't brutally shortchanged. <laughs> there you go. Well, folks, we are spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss. And in this case, I'm going to throw a TV show in there. So be warned. We're going to discuss Poltergeist from 1982, Gremlins from 1984, Monster House from 2006. And I may just sneak in a little Scooby-Doo in there. We are talking about horror for kids or gateway horror, if you will. And we are very glad to be joined by a friend of the show, Amy Swan and Alistair. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Great to have you guys on. And uh, so, Amy, I know you chose this topic for the episode, Kids Horror or Gateway Horror, some people call it. So why this pick? What's, uh, why do you love this so much? Well, um, I think that I think that it's severely lacking if you think about it. Uh, you know, Stranger Things just recently came along and it has become a phenomenon because that hole has been there for so long. I think that it's important if we're gonna have, you know, I think it's even as early as Snow White, there yeah. is always something about kids and horror. And I really wanted to introduce people, obviously talk about the classics, but. I think that Monster House was the first one that I introduced my son to oh. and and uh, have a horror birth. There <laughs> you horror. go. <laughs> so I, you know, I wanted to uh, just introduce people to things that maybe they hadn't thought about. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, let's jump right into it, guys. And so I'm, I'm excited. We'll just go chronologically and we'll start the first one on the list with with one that I rewatched this week and just rewatched a documentary about last week with Poltergeist. In Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Steven Spielberg went beyond our world. Now, within the safety and comfort of an average home, Good night. he crosses a frightening new threshold what is it? into another world. Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. Poltergeist, rated PG. Starts Friday. Check newspapers for a theater near you. All across the country, by 4 a.m., TV screens go blank. The Late Late Show is over. The Freeling Home is different. Although nothing is on, something is there. Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. Rated PG. Starts Friday. Check newspapers for a theater near you. So, Amy, when did you and Alistair, you guys first, when did you first catch up with Poltergeist? Uh, not that long ago, I wouldn't say. It was not that, it was pretty, actually, Poltergeist was one that was Alistair's, uh, he was really scared to see, because mm -hmm. I had think I built it up too much and mm -hmm. um, so it was only about two years ago that he had seen it uh, and after we got done he said I was very surprised at uh, how funny it was so <laughs> so it was um, again you know after Monster House <laughs> this is again I'm gonna keep going back to Monster House uh, 
nothing is seeming as scary as Monster House since then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And I just watched Monster House for the first time today. So I'm excited to talk about that. But um, so, and Amy, when did you first see Poltergeist? When was the first time oh, you watched it? I was in the theater. I, I'm really? the same as you. So I saw that in the theater. Yeah. My mom uh, was one of those people who basically just let me watch whatever. Um, I was the one who was watching HBO and happy birthday to me and Friday the 13th. And when it wow. was probably not, you know, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be watching <laughs> it, but you were. That's fantastic. I, I did not get to see Poltergeist in the theater. I'll talk about it in a second, but Jackson, when did you first see Poltergeist? You know, I don't really remember. I know it wasn't too long ago because, um, when I was watching this, I was remembering scenes from it, but I don't know that I had seen it in all of its entirety um, until I think a year ago was my first Letterboxd review. So I would say that's the first time I saw it or really saw it. And yeah, I was struck by how funny it was. I didn't remember that. Uh, it is also really terrifying in a couple of scenes and really graphic, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty lighthearted, which is strange. Um, but yeah, this one, I feel like it's scarier just in the fact that it's got a lot of child endangerment in it and a lot of really heavy themes. Uh, but the scares overall, I think, are, are pretty tolerable for kids. Yeah, I, and I saw this on cable. Um, I didn't see it in the theater. It wasn't until I was about 13 that my parents kind of uh, turned me loose and said whatever. Um, and then my first two uh, in-theater experiences with horror movies were Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Friday 13th 5. And somehow I remained a horror fan. But um, I saw this <laughs> on cable because back in the day, HBO would only show um, R-rated movies after eight o'clock, but because Poltergeist was PG, they would play it all the time. I mean, it was just like constantly on cable. And so it was actually something I was interested in. And so I saw it several times on cable when I was like 11, 12. Um, and I'd already heard all the urban legends about it, about being a cursed film because, you know, the tragic death of Dominique Dunn and and then Joe Beth Williams was telling all these stories and Fangoria and all this other kind of stuff. All these weird things were happening to her and came out that they were using real skeletons, which of course all film productions do as far as I know. But um, I, I remember just absolutely, this was like a staple on HBO. Um, and the IMDB synopsis reads, and this one's really, really short. A family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. That's it. That's the IMDb. I think IMDb just figures everybody's seen it. Um, but, you know, anyway, I think every horror fan knows this film. It just seems like it is a gateway, especially for people around 12 or 13. You know, um, spoiler alert, as we said, no character uh, dies. There's, there's minimal gore, but there are some scenes, Jackson, as you were saying, and Amy, you weigh in on that are, are really memorable. And I'm thinking especially about the scene with the mirror. I mean, that does not go away quickly. Yep. That, that was the one that really got me when I was young. That, that one, actually, what terrified me was the tree scene. Oh, when, yeah. the, when he was getting eaten by the tree to distract from the real threat, the girl going into, into the closet. Right. But the tree... And the, the mud and having to pull him out from the tree eating, that, ter that stuck with me. Uh, 
big time. But there's, like you said, there's so many memorables in, in mm-hmm. Poltergeist. That's why it is the staple it is. It's, there's a reason why it's, it's the gold standard. And it's perfect where it has the, 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 the scares, but then it brings you back with, with a, a comic twist, with some kind of lighthearted joke to let you know, we've got you. We've got you. We're not going to, we'll scare you, but we'll, we'll make you laugh too. Right. Right. Yeah. And they had, I mean, and the cast, I think, is perfect for that because you've got, you know, you've got actors who do comedy very well, like Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams, who did, you know, many comedies in the 80s and into the 90s. And they do a fantastic job. Um, Jackson, was there a scene to you that stood out? Uh, Yeah, there were a couple. And I was, as I usually do, writing down uh, things that stuck out to me. Uh, but yeah, the comedy surprised me, especially the mosquito scene, which I think is actually, funnily enough, one of the most iconic scenes in that movie for me, even though it's not really supposed to be, I feel like. But the line, mosquito ever suck on you, son? I feel like that is an iconic line that I would get on a t-shirt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the way that this movie gets you is exactly what Amy said. I mean, it, it kind of... it makes you feel comfortable and then when it does have something scary it really stands out if those effects and scares were in another horror movie they would be commonplace but when you throw them into what is essentially this family drama comedy uh you know it can really mess with your head i mean that mirror scene especially i was not expecting that level of gore i mean that is like the ending of raiders of the lost ark or something uh it's it's pretty intense and then it's immediately followed by like some weird flowy special effects that aren't really scary i mean it's it's such a it's such an oddity of a film uh but i think that's why i love it yeah it's and the cast not just you know i brought up you know uh, joe beth williams and craig t nelson but um and of course a lot of people remember you know the tragic demise of heather donahue a few years later but I mean, James Karen is wonderful in it, right? And and he's he's done so many of these roles. It's just from top to bottom. And you think about it in 1982. You know, I was 10 at the time when this came out, but none of these people were stars at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I read that Spielberg wanted that that because he didn't want it to be a star vehicle. He wanted it to feel like um, a suburban family. He wanted that you know, that setting to be as realistic as possible. And I think Amy Alistair, I think they nailed it, don't you? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it feels so 1982 suburbia. I mean, there's just, you know, it it just feels that way. And and so then when the terror starts, it's, you know, and and like you said, it does that great thing where it kind of goes back and forth. It'll have something comedic, but then that sets up, and I was listening to somebody we'll be talking about here in a minute, Joe Dante, you know, who directed Gremlins, when he was talking about the howling, he was talking about how when he and John Sayles were putting the screenplay for the howling together, you know, the humor was there, but, you know, he's been accused at like different cons and so forth. Were you making fun of horror movies? He's like, no. He said that it wasn't that we were parodying, you know, horror movies. The comedy is there to kind of, help you kind of settle in so that when we scare you, we really scare you. And I think Poltergeist does that well, you know, as well here, you know. Um, And so I think it's just an incredibly effective movie. So now I have to ask Amy and Alistair also about the one thing we haven't brought up, the clown. (laughs) 
We, How did yeah. the clown go over? I mean, on a first time view, I, I would love to see this again for the first time. That clown terrified me. How did you feel about it, Alistair? I've never been the biggest fan of clowns in the first place. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that kind of freaked me out. Yeah. yeah, and then the stories that came out that, you know, that poor kid, that the device malfunctioned. And so when he was screaming that he couldn't breathe and all this kind of, kind of stuff, Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg thought he was ad-libbing. But in fact, <laughs> the oh. thing was really choking him. And he was, he, was, he was in absolute terror. He's not acting. I didn't know that. That I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't acting. The thing malfunctioned and it was just, it wouldn't, you know, it got way too tight. They'd rehearsed it. And when the thing wrapped around him, he was like, it was like, oh, it was okay. And then all of a sudden they're shooting and it's like, wait a minute, this wasn't supposed to be this tight. I can't breathe. And so he was screaming. And so, you know, that, no, that's a, that scene, you know, is real. And so. You it, know, it, those clowns will get you. That's what, yeah. that's what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, and if if you watched uh, Cursed Films on Shutter, there's a guy who, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he does a lot of like special features for um, Scream Factory and where he goes to horror locations. And in the Cursed film, he goes to the poltergeist house. It's still there. Um, the owner wants nothing to do with tourists, but I guess he's got to put up with it anyway. And But he owns that clown and he has it in his house. Gosh. And I'm thinking, there is no way I would have that thing in my house. Brave man. <laughs> Brave or crazy, Jackson? I mean, man. A little bit of both. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the episode where Jerry's over in Kramer's apartment. That, you know, that, no. Um, but anyway, so, you know, one of the things I always wonder about, and so especially – you know, Amy, I want your opinion, but I also really want Alistair and Jackson's opinion. What about the special effects? Because for 1982, they were great. On rewatch, I was wondering, you know, would younger people think, you know, is this, is this cheesy? Is this corny? Is this kind of so? Alistair, what did, what did you think of the special effects? Did they, did they hold up for you all right? Yeah, I think they were fine. I don't really have, I don't want to say like bias, but I don't minds like older special effects i don't think they impact the movie too much oh cool well, that's a that's a great opinion to have by the way jackson what do you think buddy yeah i thought they were uh, pretty fantastic for the most part and cutting edge uh, for their time certainly but uh my favorite of the whole movie is that weird lanky ghost demon thing uh mm -hmm. that's my favorite but uh they're they're good all throughout. We talked about the mirror scene, but that was just disturbing. Uh, the one that I think has aged the most is the glowing light demon. It just seemed like something out of Never Ending Story, um, very eighties. And it's not that you can tell it's, a, it's like it's a bad special effect. It's just that that's and that's an absolute eighties staple uh, in a movie. Just the glowing light orb. We saw that in everything from the Explorers to I guess Poltergeist. It, it's just a you know one of those cliches. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, I love that for the most part, you know, they're as practical as they can be. Like, I didn't know, like, the scene where Joe Beth Williams is just, you know, bless her heart, you know, just getting kicked around, that she was in one of those, like, revolving houses, like a Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, they, she was really, like, tumbling along, 
you know, that house when they were trying to get it set up and everything. So, and then, you know, she had to get in that pool with all those skeletons and Steven Spielberg had to get in the pool with her because she was freaking out, not because of the skeleton, she was terrified of all of the electrical equipment around. She was like, okay, I can handle the skeletons, but am I gonna get electrocuted? <laughs> you know, and Steven Spielberg had to jump in with her. But if you watch that scene in the pool scene, Joe Beth Williams, again, she's, she's legitimately terrified, you know, cause she, she really thought it was a dangerous set. Yeah. So, I, I, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that I would be a little bit afraid if I had a, a whole camera crew and a sound crew and, and loads of water and live skeletons going around. I think I might be a little bit terrified myself. Not, not a usual Friday night mix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's hard to say much about Poltergeist that hasn't been said. The cursed films um, thing on Shudder about it, I think is worth um, a watch, even though they pretty much debunked that there was any real, there was any real curse. Um, but it's still, you know, it, it, to me, when I went back and I looked at my Letterboxd review, Jackson, you brought yours up. I mean, um, this was my number two horror movie of 1982, right behind John Carpenter's The Thing. So, and, Sounds you know, the, right. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, and The Thing's in my top 10 of all time. So, I mean, that's, it's just, it's a fantastic movie. But I'm sure you guys have notes on this before we move on. Jackson, what else do you want to talk about with Poltergeist? Well, I mean, there are a couple of effects that really astounded me. Not so much effects, but camera tricks. Um, do you remember the scene uh, where the mother and the daughter are in the kitchen and uh, the, she walks away, she comes back and all the chairs are stacked on the table? Yeah. Was there a cut? I didn't catch it. How did they do there that? There was not a cut. That was not a cut. What it, that was one shot. Um, so they had the chairs already pre-stacked when the camera glides over with Joe Beth Williams literally the, they had PAs run in there and, and, and make the switch real quick so that when it panned back, it had made the change. That's terrifying. I mean, that just that people can do that, that that's astounding to me. That's, I think that's more impressive than having poltergeists in your house, having PAs <laughs> that can juggle chairs and put them on the table. PAs are, they're, they're, uh, they're unheralded heroes of Hollywood, trust For me. For real, they're, yeah. They're, and yeah, everybody starts there, it seems. So they, they deserve some credit. Um, also, uh, typical kids, I wrote my notes, they're literally ghosts and supernatural forces moving things across the kitchen, right? And the little girl says, I want pepperoni pizza. Like, that's what's on her mind when she's witnessing true paranormal <laughs> events in front of her. Uh, and I can't say that I would be any different. Honestly, uh, that, that would probably be on my mind as well. Um, the... I mean, this movie, I had seen it before, but uh, re-watching now, I thought it was over. It feels like there are two endings uh, when they're moving out of the house. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's the end of the movie. Nope, it comes right back to bite you, and there's a whole nother climax, which really surprised me. Um, but it was totally welcome, because I think the second ending, I guess you could call it, was, uh, was more satisfying than the first. I mean, uh, it surprised me. So I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I guess I'm not used to movies from the 80s uh, having that kind of fake out, like, oh, everything's okay, but never mind. Uh, I, Lord of the Rings, I guess, is, is the one that brought that back in style. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amy Alistair, what about you? What else do you want to talk about with Poltergeist? Uh, 
again, just I think that 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 one is probably I I would put that one in the more of the older teen to watch. I don't think yeah. this definitely, you know, I think that you're pushing it around eight, nine to watch something like this. This is definitely more of like a 12, 13, even though it's PG. But as yeah. we know, that was before the PG 13. But right. I, I, I definitely, again, it's, it's, it, there's a reason why it's always brought up. There's a reason why people still love it to this day and still rate it as highly as they do, because it, it is, a perfect to me one of the more perfect horror movies out there and especially if you want to start introducing your kids to horror and have a horror fan this is definitely one that you it's a must on the list uh to have that gateway drug yeah i i completely agree it's it, it's fan and i think that was like i think i was you know around that age 11 or 12 when i saw it i i just thought it was fantastic i i gave it a 10 out of 10 on letterboxd you know it was right there behind the thing and i i think it holds up i think it's just a great movie and i i agree with you completely amy i think if you've got you know um kids in your house that are around 12 years old 13 they're starting and you're wondering okay what horror movie do i i think this is this is one that really should be at the top of the list so um and jackson i was so i'm wondering what what did you rate this when you rated it on letterboxd do you remember uh, I don't remember what my last review was, but I think this time around it's an 8.5 to a 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, I think it's definitely great for preteens and young teens. Uh, though, yeah, I would agree that some of the more disturbing scenes probably not, uh, wouldn't, you know, go over well with a younger kid. But this is one of those things where you can show uh, younger horror fans some gruesome special effects and kind of get them hooked on it without scarring them for life. I think this is the, the <laughs> way in for that. <laughs> I agree. So, um, so Amy Allister, what, where are you? If you had to give a, a, a rating in here, one to 10 poltergeist, where do you guys come in? Uh, seven, maybe seven, eight, like. That's solid. That's yeah, that's, that's good. Um, that's I, I'll say for me, I would say that this is probably about a nine yep. and a rewatch. It's the, there, there's a few things that, Watching it again, you know, like you said, the special effects, there's a few like that when things are floating around in the room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. A little hard there. <laughs> a little hard True. to stomach on those. But um, the chemistry, as you said, the, 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 even the lore in the movie is, yeah. is, is great because they did a whole episode about it, like you said, on Shudder because of the lore just preceding it. So um, I'd say with nine, though. Fantastic. And so let's move right on to 1984 to one I did see in the theater. Let's talk about Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. They're clever. They're mischievous. They'll get into the kitchen, the basement, the garage. They'll get into anything. And once they get in, you're in for it. Gremlins. They'll be expecting you. Directed by Joe Dante. Rated PG. Held over Bud Co. Regency Twin, Old City Cinema, and surrounding First Run Theater. Um, I saw this on opening weekend. I absolutely love it. So, Amy and Alistair, you guys first. When did you first see Gremlins, each one of you? 
Uh, this one was one that I didn't catch in the theater. I waited um, and saw this on cable and it was later in my life that I had seen it. It was one of those ones that just passed me by for some reason. I just, I guess that was more into the slasher flicks. So this didn't mm. really appeal to me, but so I can't exactly remember what age I was, but I remember when I saw it, I, I obviously I, I, I loved it. It's, it's a great movie. I, I, I and I, I'm sure that we're going to talk about it. The scene where she talks about her father in the chimney stuck oh. out to me like a sore thumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just such a fun movie. It, it, there's, there's no other way. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of horror, but it's just a fun movie. I, I That's the perfect way to encapsulate it is fun. What about you, Alistair? When did you first see Gremlins? Pretty young. I don't remember exactly, but it was like a while, a while ago. He was probably about eight, seven, eight, so pretty early on. That one I wasn't too, wasn't too worried about um, scarring him for life with that one. So, right. right. <laughs> he's watched a lot of. He's kind of like me, where he watched a lot of the horror movies early on, and and you know, really never affected and uh, bothered him. So um, Gremlins was one that saw early and often. It's our there Christmas staple. <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah, I try. Yeah, I, I, I tried to show this to my wife at Christmas time last year. I'll talk about that in a second. Did not go <laughs> well. But anyway, <laughs> Jackson, when did you first see Gremlins, buddy? Do you remember? Uh, this is one that's kind of always been present in my life, I think. But the first time I remember it. Uh, in the front of my mind, I was watching it with you, and I don't know if we watched it all the way through, but um, we were watching it on the TV, and it was the scene where uh, the, the ladies rocketed with the, the chairlift out the window. Yeah. And you were just cracking up at the, the <laughs> caroling gremlins and stuff, and I remember that. That was great. Um, so that's my first memory of it. Oh, man, I must have been eight or nine, it seems like. I think um, so, yeah. So that that was the first time I was consciously aware of it, but I'm sure I had seen cl clips of it. I know I had seen Gizmo before that because he's such an icon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, like I, eight or nine, I would say. And uh, yeah, I, I've always loved it. I think this is just one that's uh, always been in my top twenty horror films of all time. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I love I love this movie. I love everything by Joe Dante. I think he's just a great filmmaker you know whether it's this or the howling or piranha or the burbs or you know on and on and on inner space the guy just makes great great movies um i got the chance i met him briefly a couple times one at one at uh, a true story i was at a place called dave's videos in los angeles which sold primarily laser discs this was late 80s and I didn't even own a Laserdisc player. I didn't even have the money for a Laserdisc player, but I would go in there because I love to read like the special features and all that other kind of stuff. And I'm a film geek. So I would go in there and I was looking at, kid you not, a copy of The Howling. And I look up and across the aisle is Joe Dante <laughs> standing there. I don't know if he saw me holding The Howling. I just remember being like, wow. And I didn't say anything to him. You know, I just, I just put it down and just slowly it. put it down and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just slowly put it down. I, it was one of those things my brother taught me, my older brother who lived and worked out there for a long time for decades. He, he said, you gotta, you know, you can't geek out over people, stuff like that. So I was trying to, okay, I work in the business. I gotta be too cool for school. You know, you can't. And, um, 
And so, and I, but I, I love his stuff. Absolutely love his stuff. And so this and the howling, I remember like he was one of the first directors that I was really aware of. Cause this is about the time 84 when I was becoming aware of directors, Hitchcock, Spielberg, you know? Um, and so then it was like, Oh, Joe Dante, oh, man, he made Piranha, the howling and gremlins. I was like, wow, this guy just hits it out of the park every single time. So um, back to Gremlins, though. IMDb synopsis, a boy inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolent, mischievous monsters on a small town. Well, once again, thanks for phoning that in, IMDb. But anyway, um, this movie, the plot has holes in it to be sure. Like, you know, they joke about this even in Gremlins 2. It's like midnight where, you know, um, you can't feed them after midnight. Well, midnight Eastern Standard Time, Central, you know, what, what, what midnight are we talking about? There, there are obvious holes here, but I think it's just a really, really fun movie, despite the fact, and, and, and Amy, you and I are probably old enough to remember, this was a controversial film. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because people thought there's no way this should have been PG. It was mm -hmm. too dark. You know, you brought up that one scene. I mean, where Phoebe Cates is talking about why she hates Christmas, you know, and that her father somehow, you know, got stuck, you know, in the chimney and, and somehow died trying to play Santa Claus. I mean, and that was even a scene Spielberg wanted out. He thought that was too right. dark for the movie. It, Spielberg well, won that it, out it and Joe Dante like fought for it. It, yeah, it stuck out like a sore thumb. You could totally like, uh, from what I understand, it it was it 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 they couldn't figure out at first what what tone they wanted, right. and that snuck through, from what I understand. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. It's it's the original script, which I would love to get a hold of. I've heard Joe Dante talk about it, but he said all the criticism he got. He said you you need to understand. I tamed that script down greatly i guess the original script that he got a hold of that spielberg had sent him that he read i mean like the gremlins behead people the gremlins go to mcdonald's not for chicken nuggets but to feast on the patrons there um yeah that it was really really dark and he had like columbus rewrite it so it was more family friendly and he and spielberg like filtered all that down but even after they filtered all that stuff out it was, this is still a dark movie. I mentioned, I showed this to my wife at Christmas time. I just think this and Die Hard is like Christmas staples. And so I put it on, she'd never seen it. And so we watch, I look at her, I'm going, great, right? And she just looked at me and goes, that was really dark. Why would anyone <laughs> watch that at Christmas? And so, but it, so let me throw this out to you guys, Jackson. Do you think, do you, do you understand now? Cause I mean, you're about to turn 17 soon so put, can you even put your head back in 1984 and see that this was a controversial film or does it not it is does it strike you as dark or what do you think yeah i can see how this would cause some controversy i think it's mostly uh that scene with phoebe cates but also the gremlins i mean they're drinking in a bar and they're killing people uh and i i when you have flashing somebody, people yeah and you have some like gizmo who's so cute and all most of the dialogue is very safe and family friendly 
but then, like I said, you have those standout moments. I think the one, the one part that really made my jaw drop uh, was Phoebe Cates says something along the lines of, while most people are opening gifts, these, some people are opening their wrists. And I was like, whoa, that is really dark oh, for a wow. PG movie. And uh, yeah, and then she's got that whole story. And so I definitely understand how this and uh, Temple of Doom uh, led to the creation of the PG-13 rating because those movies really just, I don't think they should be seen by anybody under 10 and maybe even, you know, 10 is, is just barely on the line because uh, there is some, some stuff here that if you haven't seen a horror movie before, you're just showing this to your kids like, oh, it's a fun, you know, action family uh, movie. No, not really. I mean, I mean, you have the mom blending up a, a, a gremlin. That's pretty gruesome. Yeah, and microwaving one as well. I, what's funny to me is maybe I'm not remembering this correctly. And so, Amy, maybe you need to correct me on this. It seemed to me that when I heard a lot of the complaints about gremlins, so looking back, the funny thing was I heard it was the violence, like I didn't, I didn't hear like any, maybe you heard differently. I didn't hear any parents complaining about, you know, which is now Jackson, I think you're right. I'd even, I'd even forgotten, didn't even catch on rewatch that comment by Phoebe Cates. That's pretty dark stuff, but you know, it was that it was PG and it's like, Jackson, you're saying you got all these gremlins being, you know, blended up and the microwave scene was one I heard a lot about. Do you, do you remember that Amy people complaining Absolutely. about the microwave scene? The microwave scene is definitely one of the standout moments for, for, for people and just period because microwaves were pretty new then. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then um, it, it was comedic and, and, uh, but also shocking. You yeah. just, you know, it was um, that, that in the blender, like that whole kitchen scene where she's fighting back was awesome. It was great and it, and it was funny, but it was also very, very violent. Yeah. Like I said, this is why it's such a a good gateway movie is that it does the whole same thing. It it, it gives you those the the violence and the and the gore, but it also we're gonna put that little bit of like funniness on it, so it's not you don't have to take it too seriously, and and you can kind of like almost like a, a you know a thrill ride, a you know roller coaster ride. You're going up and down, but you're still safe. You're buckled in. We got you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I love um, one of the things I want to talk about. Is I love this cast. And this was something that uh, I was sh shocked by um, when I was listening to Joe Dante talk about it. Apparently about every young actor in Hollywood wanted or either wanted or auditioned or reached out about, you know, playing Billy. And he went with a relative unknown. Um, like the studio wanted Emilio Estevez to play Billy. Oh, no. Could you imagine that? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wanted Emilio Estevez or Tom Cruise or somebody like that. And he, um, Joe Dante, to his credit, you know, fought for the two leads because he said, no, Zach, he, has, he had chemistry with Phoebe Cates and he wanted somebody who had obvious chemistry with, Phoebe Cates and he wanted that to help anchor it for exactly what we're talking about to give it a more of a, a little bit of a human element because I think he understood that parts of it were were dark and so I think the cast is is perfect so Amy what obviously you you agree with Joe that when he was fought to keep Emilio off the set but uh 
Yeah, no, I, I think that the that, like, smart man, I mean, obviously, the, he is a, the director that he is for a reason. He knew Phoebe Cates is, even though Billy is the central character, Phoebe Cates is actually the heart and soul of the film. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you're going to work around what works with her, smart man. Yeah, um, agreed, agreed. And so, and he probably like every other guy in America at that time had a crush on her. Uh, I still oh. haven't forgiven Kevin Klein for marrying her. But anyway, <laughs> um, Jackson, what about you? What do you think of the cast? I think it's fantastic. Um, every, I think that uh, the characters really shine in this and they are what, what make it so family friendly. I think if you had different actors, if you had Tom Cruise, I think this would be a more mature movie just because it's Tom Cruise. Mm. Um, but uh, Billy feels so genuine and nice in this. I don't know. I don't think that would work so much with Tom. He seems like a nice guy, but in the 80s, in every movie he was in, he was that smarmy kind of, he's making uh, sly remarks. Like, just watch Top Gun and you get the idea. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the cast works great. And, of course, uh, Phoebe Cates is one of my favorite actresses of all time, uh, not just because of how she looks, but that doesn't hurt it. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, R.I.P. Dick Miller. Uh, yes. Seeing him in this movie, I was so oh. sad because he gives such a great performance. And even though he's really just a bit part, he is one of the most memorable parts of this movie just because of how he disappears into the role. really feels like this crazy drunk, uh, kind, of, kind of xenophobic guy, um, but mm-hmm. he's great in it. He is great. I love Dick Miller, though. Um, I, I remember, though, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, when I first saw, so I saw this in the theater, and then I saw an opening weekend, Gremlins 2. <laughs> Amy, you've seen Gremlins 2, right? Yes, we have. <laughs> okay. Were you, was I the only person shocked that Mr. Futterman, Dick Miller's character, lived? I thought he was dead. I did too. Yeah, yes, but I'm so I'm I'm so glad they brought him back. He he was so I mean, he was great in both of them, but the mm-hmm. second one was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole uh gargoyle part uh, just yeah. hilarious. I, and and I know that you guys just talked about it not that long ago about the the Gremlins 2 sketch on Key and Peel. Yeah. <laughs> hands down one of the funniest funniest things ever on tv and and accurate that's what makes it so funny yeah accurate that's what's hysterical as i heard (laughs) joe dante say that really that skit was not too far removed from what the meeting with the studio was like (laughs) 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 oh man and so uh, I could gush over Gremlins all day, but uh, what do you guys want to talk about with with Gremlins? So, Amy and Alistair, you guys first. What do you want to hit on with Gremlins? The effects, I think. The effects, yeah, yeah. And all the Gremlins were almost all real puppets. I I think that 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 makes a big difference. I think that that people are starting to go back to practical. Uh, knock on wood, mm-hmm. that, that they're, they're starting to realize, yes, you know, that there, there has to be special effects in cer- some scenes just for safety or, or for budgetary costs or whatnot. But I do find that, that nowadays more of the smaller movies are starting to go back to practical effects because they're finding that, the, that it holds up better. You know, people are yep. more forgiving with the eye to see these practical effects. Uh, and, and it really, if you, if you look at it now, it still actually holds up very well 
it's mm-hmm. it's the the when the bubbling on the backs oh, and the yeah. popping it's it's amazing yeah it's just amazing and and you would not get a you know can you imagine a cgi gizmo oh no i don't even <laughs> want to think about that Ugh. no 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 Ugh. ah no it would be like uh, Garfield running around the, those movies, you know? It just wouldn't... Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. They're going to get Bill Murray to do the voice as well? Oh, no. No, we don't need a new Gremlins. We definitely don't need a CGI Gremlins. But, and that, that I actually heard Joe Dante talk. He kept a lot of those puppets. He still has a lot of those Gremlins. And he was complaining on one of his podcasts because they're, you know, they're, they're foam latex. He said they're deteriorating. And apparently, um, he they had an effects guy, and he goes, "Oh no, no, no!" He goes, "I got a buddy in New Jersey. He's come up with this this stuff, this chemical where you can spray on it that will keep it from deteriorating." And you can almost hear Joe Dante like jump up in his seat. He was so happy that he got <laughs> to keep his gremlins, you know. Um, but no, I agree. What about you, Jax? I think the effects are fantastic. Oh yeah, amazing. I mean, the scene uh, where Gizmo and Billy are sitting together and singing and playing the piano. I mean, it feels so real. It really does feel like he's got a pet with him. And of course, when I first saw this movie, I wanted Gizmo. I wanted a little Mogwai. Uh, but I don't know if I could have, could have handled the responsibility, quite frankly. <laughs> um, you know, the few times I am up after midnight, it's probably because I'm eating. I'm getting a midnight snack. So I don't think that would have gone over well for me. But uh, yeah, just amazing. And uh, even though uh, the Mogwai look great, I think the Gremlins look even better because they're mm-hmm. truly scary and they're really just latex puppets. So um, it's, it's crazy how much they did with those uh, practical effects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. And one other thing I wanted to bring up before we move on and talk about anything else is, and Jackson, and I want to go to you on this because you're, you're a musician, Amy, Amy and Alistair. I don't know if you guys are musicians or not, but I love the score for Gremlins. Mm-hmm. I remember even yeah. hearing that score in the trailer, you know, before I saw the movie and that score sticking with me. Am I by myself on here or what do you think, Amy? Alistair? Oh, no, I absolutely. It, it, it's, it's really is a, a great score and, and, and uh, memorable. That definitely sticks with you and you, the bump, 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 bump. Yes. <laughs> very upbeat, very happy, very, very, again, it works very well um, for it. It sounds like a kid's movie. It, it sounds does. like a kid's movie. It sounds like you'd see here's something at, at, at a fair or a carnival. And Absolutely, that just yeah. Great way to put it. I, I agree. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a, a great, great way to put it. So what else do we want to talk about with, with Gremlins? Because I know we could gush about this just for hours. Jackson, do you have any notes there and you want to hit? Yeah, just to talk about the score for a second. Uh, the scene where I think her name is Mrs. Deagle is walking mm-hmm. to the bank and she's stopping traffic and everything. The score behind that scene was like baffling to me. I was like, this is so amazing. I want to own this on iTunes. It's like this wacky uh, Three Stooges style music. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this really is just a, a, a family film uh, with, a, with a horror mask on. I mean, it's great. Yeah, I do think it's iconic. Um, but mo- moving on from the score, I just want to say... Uh, I have never seen a Burger King, a storefront Burger King, like they have in this town in Gremlins. <laughs> it looks like a small little deli, but it's a Burger King. Was this common? Well, no, if, you, if you'll notice, okay, so um, if you think really hard, 
You've seen that Burger King. In fact, you've seen that set several times. It's the same set. Gremlins is the same set used in Back to the Future and used in The Burbs and on. It's all the same set. Whoa. I've walked around there. That's, you can take, you know, you can take tours there now, but I've been on that backlight. And so the universal backlight, you know, um, they just would do whatever. So you've got a bunch of like generic buildings. And mm -hmm. so whatever you needed, they would just go in and put like a storefront or whatever on whatever looked right on right what building. So that Burger King was actually probably has been 50 or 60 things because it's just sitting there on the back lot. Now, and are you suggesting <laughs> with, with, the, with this shared set yes. that these films all take place in the same universe? Because I, I, I didn't put it on that. Hey, it's all Spielberg, so it might, you know, it's his, he produced it, you know, you never know. It seems like he and his buddies, you know, they, sh they share universes all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Remember, was it, was it, um, I mean, I've, I've tried to forget the Star Wars prequels, I really have, but <laughs> what was it, the third one, Revenge of the Sith, where the ETs are in the Senate? Oh, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, and in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, R2-D2 is flying through space. So, so see, it's all, everything's connected. It's all connected. And I'm going to end up sounding like Patton Oswalt on Parks and Rec here in a minute, trying to connect everything. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to go off on, 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 on that tangent. But uh, no, that's the, yeah, that's the universal backlight. Um, and it's, uh, I've been on it many, many times. And it's, it looks like they've done every, they do everything they can. You literally like the set where they shot the burbs is also the set from, I believe it's the Munsters. Um, and you just walk across it and you turn a corner and boom, you're in the downtown where they shot back to the future and gremlins and, and so forth. It's all like, it, it, it's, it's all compacted right there. And I it's mean, all still standing. Yeah. It's all, most of it's still standing. I know mm -hmm. that some stuff has been lost over the years um, but it's like when we covered Psycho, I mean, we, we talked about that, Jackson. How many times have they built and rebuilt the Psycho house? I, I don't, know. They've yeah. moved it several times. They've used it for all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So they move stuff around all the time. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, as far as I know, it's all still standing last time I checked. So you can wow. take the Universal tour and you can go, you can see it. You know, it looks different all the time because they're always shooting stuff there. Uh, back when I lived in LA in the 80s and 90s, they were still shooting. Uh, I know they moved the stuff around a lot because they would shoot Murder, She Wrote there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you would see stuff constantly changing so they could shoot Murder, She Wrote there and it wouldn't look like Marty McFly was ready to, you know, step onto, <laughs> you know, step into the mystery at any moment. So, but yeah, it's, it's all there. It's all there. So we go on and on about Gremlins. Amy Allister, what else do you guys want to talk about with Gremlins? Uh, I'm, I'm all set. Do you have anything else? I think I'm good. You think you're, you're good? good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think I'm pretty sure I can, you know, surmise that it sounds like all of us love this movie. So, Jackson, what's your rating and recommendation for Gremlins? I would call it a 9.5 out of 10. I think this is an all-time classic, uh, and I have it on DVD, but I would definitely say you should rent it uh, if you haven't seen it in a while because I, I think it's worth watching, especially with uh, friends and family and uh, the younger. I, I, I don't know if this is quite as young as Monster House, in my opinion. Uh, this is another preteen to, to early teen movie, mm -hmm. I think, just because of the heavy uh, subject matter at some points in the movie. 
but if you're just watching it, not really paying attention, I think it's, it's enough fun visually for, for younger kids. So yeah, 9.5 out of 10, I would call this a high priority rental. All right. Well, I'm right there with you, though. I call it a buy. Amy and Alistair, what about you guys? What do you say? I'm going to call it uh, about, I would say, nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost perfect. Uh, yeah. Again, I think we're working our way down. We got, like, I'd say Poltergeist is a little bit more scary. I say mm-hmm. that this one is, uh, you could probably give, you know, you got to gauge your kids. You know your kids. Yeah. Uh, 10-ish would be, I would say, yeah. 10, 11 for this one. Um, you know, um, but I, again, you know, know your kids and, you know, be appropriate because I I let her, let him, uh, watch it at, uh, you know, at, at six, seven. So that was a little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, this one just, this one just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre just the other day. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, you have some kids that can handle whatever. Um, but yeah. I know for one, uh, I was scared by the circus, first of all, and uh, <laughs> Shrek, Shrek Forever After. Both scared me when I was younger. So I, th- I, wait, I was glad I waited until eight or nine. You were, you were, to be fair, you were only like one, you were only like two when you were scared of the circus. Hey, I yeah, still were, remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, yes, you were terrified. The, between the, the, the lights, the music, the clowns, yeah. you were like, you were like about two years old, I took you to the circus and you were just like, nope, out, yep. get me out of here. No, yeah. I have a younger kid too that, that is not on the podcast for reasons that she is a puss. She can't, so she's the one that is scared of the circus and whatnot. So this is, you know, again, this is, I get it, Jackson. I totally get it. Well, look, my wife is in her 30s and she couldn't (laughs) handle gremlins. So, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it's uh, like you said, you just got to know your kids or know, or in my case, know your spouse. So, (laughs) um, and I will never try to show to her anything like this again. Uh, but moving on from there to our next movie, this one she did watch with me. Uh, we're moving on to Monster House from 2006. They say it's haunted. There's something evil going on at that house. This is why nobody will sit next to us at lunch. But on July 21st, we're gonna have to go inside. Are you nuts? Crossover. I say it's worth a shot. Yes, I agree. Let's do it. To the other side of the street. No way. DJ has the plan. We need the danger show now. Let's move. Jenny has the braids. Are you guys mentally challenged? Oh my gosh. What? You're a dork. And Chowder has no clue. Executive producers Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg invite you. You guys should have a look at this. To unlock the mystery. Experience the adventure of the summer. If that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. So it's a girl house. What? Monster house. Stupid house. Directed by Gil Cannon. Ready PG. So, Amy, this was your pick. Why did you pick Monster House? This one, I really think that it is um, not well enough known. I think that this is a overlooked one that kind of uh, went in between the cracks that not enough uh, parents who do want to get their kids into horror that they, that they know, even know that this exists 
I know that the end, we'll get into it. I know the animation is a little wonky. I'm not thrilled with the animation, but I think the story is really well done. I think it's a really good, uh, scary, actually yeah. very scary horror movie that, that, was just something that we just picked up off the shelf kind of thing, bought on a blind buy, put it on. And I was, it's been a staple now in our house. And like, I wanted to get it out there that please, you know, by all means you have kids that I wanted them to, to give this one a shot. I think, like I said, it's just a, not a diamond in the rough. I think it's a, you know, something that needs to be seen by people. Yeah, absolutely. And so Jackson, what about you? When did you first see, um, uh, Monster House, and what did you initial thoughts on it before we move on? Well, I saw it, uh, I think, pretty young. It was a while back, and I hadn't seen it in a while. The first time I watched it, I think, was in the van. I was, I was riding in the, in the back, going to a baseball game and watching Monster House. And I remember being disturbed, but not for the reasons you would think. Uh, I think okay. I was just more disturbed by the characters' faces, uh, like the babysitter's face. <laughs> um, and the little girl in the beginning with the trike, she was kind of disturbing. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty solid movie. I remember loving it, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I rewatched it. I think it was just one of those things where I did like to look at the DVD case and I saw it once and that was enough for me. But um, yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised this, this time around. Yeah, this was a first time watch for me. And so Megan and I watched it uh, this afternoon. <clears throat> I really like this one. And I, I, I agree with you, Amy. This was one that flew by me. Uh, I don't even remember that much about it. And, you know, but I watched today and I, I agree with you about the animation. I thought it was a little different. It didn't bug me as much as it went on. I got used to it. It was fine. Um, but I, it hooked me in. It's like, you know, I was telling my wife, it's like, you know, if the movie up had taken a really dark turn, (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get with, with monster house. So, and so you mentioned, you know, you've got, you got a couple kids. So is, is everybody on board with this one, Amy or, or no? Oh yeah. Uh, Actually, um, you know, the youngest one still isn't of, of huge she'll be in the same room, (laughs) but she'll turn away from a lot of, I mean, when the, the, uh, the, the animation, again, it's one of the, if people don't know, it's one of the ones that are like, uh, Polar Express kind of animations. It's, it's right. Motion capture. Motion capture. And yeah, it is wonky. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, but the story is so good in it that I think that it's still worth, uh, seeing. Uh, just get into it go for the ride trust me it'll pay off for you especially when the house comes alive that that whole scene towards the end the animation is outstanding it is terrifying in a way that i haven't seen a kid's movie before the when the house the house actually comes alive towards the end of the movie the trees actually um uh, attach the house and actually chases the kids down the road and it is it is really wonderfully done, the animation on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'd never really paid much attention to this, to this movie. I, you know, this came out 2006. So Jackson, you would have been three. So you wouldn't have been watching this quite stuff quite yet. So if it wasn't, if it was kid stuff that wasn't quite in your wheelhouse, it just went right by me. 
unlike, you know, when you got a little bit older and I take you to see like, was a hotel Transylvania or, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. But, you know, watching this day, I was really impressed and I'm, I'm really, you know, kind of amazed that more people aren't talking about it. And I mean, even everything down to the voice cast is great with Steve Buscemi and, you know, and on and on John Hader and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's just, it, it really hooked me in. And, you know, I, here I am a, a dude in his forties, you know, sitting at home on a Sunday and I'm watching a quote unquote kids movie, but I'm, I was all in, I mean, it really hooked me. So first of all, thank you. Cause otherwise I'd probably never seen it. And, and I really, really enjoyed it, but, you're right. I mean, I can really see where especially, you know, because this may be an animated movie, but I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm not so sure this is necessarily a movie you want to show to like a three-year-old. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. Cause you're right. I mean, that, that the house can get pretty creepy. And especially when it goes running after them at the end. I mean, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, I mean, basic plot is it's, You've got, you know, it's a place in the burbs and you've got some preteen um, kids and they have, of course, they have the creepy house uh, in the neighborhood with uh, the old guys always yelling for people to get off his lawn and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they lose a ball, they go get the ball, they get into an argument with the old man. He ends up having a heart attack and taken away. They think he's probably dead and they're noticing these things with the house. They think now the guy's soul is now inhabiting the house and the house has become this evil entity. There's a twist at the end that, and we are a spoiler podcast, but you know, you sh if you haven't seen it, you should watch it with when the twist comes around is, is I think pretty cool. And so, but it's very, very well done in a tight, you know, hour and 20 some minutes, you know, hour and 30 with credits, I think. But it's, it, it, and I looked it up, I was kind of surprised it didn't do better. I think it had a $75 million budget, which is huge. Um, but it only made about $150 million, which typically used to be the rule in Hollywood. I'm not sure if it still is. Used to be the rule that your production budget, um, your marketing budget would be the exact same as your production budget. So they just broke even basically. Yeah. So basically with the box office, they just broke even. I'm sure they made money on DVD sales and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't a huge hit and I'm kind of flabbergasted. And I guess the only reason I can think that it wasn't maybe to your point, Amy, that, for younger kids, this is pretty creepy. I don't know if they marketed it very well either. Okay. I remember hearing about it, and I don't, I don't think, like you said, they that they knew who their audience was going to be. Yeah. So I don't think that they really, you know, pinpointed what they were going to, if it was going to be eight-year-olds or fourteen-year-olds, because it is, um, it's scary. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I think that the, 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 the studio might have been too scared to, to do little kids, like you said. And so they, I think that they had a hard time figuring out their place with this one. But um, yeah. the doing research on this movie, it's, it's kind of fascinating about how this came about. That, um, that you know, the coming full, full circle, you know, that the director, that he was a first time director and he actually ended up doing the remake of Poltergeist. I did see that. That was freaky. So, and, and he really hasn't done much since then. But, um, and Zemeckis is part of this, obviously. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, and so, 
so it's kind of it's kind of funny that these are all kind of intertwined we just got done talking about back to the future and whatnot and you know and, and uh, speaking of which of submit is just a shout out the the frighteners good one too yes. for so um but this uh yeah I, I i don't know i don't know really what happened with dropping the ball but once we I, again this has been one of the the ones that is uh i always try to get that out there monster house because so many people haven't heard of it yeah i think if you've got kids you know and it's like we said before and amy you said it, you got to know your kids but and so you may have kids that you know six seven years old who would be like you know them well enough and ah, they'd be fine i think Jackson would have fallen into that category, you know, back in that time. But I think if you're looking at kids that are like maybe nine, you know, somewhere around there, you know, this to me would seem like a perfect choice. Um, You know, that was like, you know, if you want to wait to your, to show them gremlins and poltergeist when they're like 11 or 12, maybe, or something like that. This is one I think you can show them when they're about eight or nine, but I, I was really, really impressed. So, Jackson, I know you look, you're a lot better artist than I am. Um, the anim did the animation bother you? Because I got used to it. It didn't bother me after a while. It certainly didn't bother me when I first saw it, but um I, I don't think that it was uh, a successful experiment. It I think it did take away. Now I if this had been uh traditionally animated or if they had even let uh it sit for two or three years, I think it would have been the better for it. But uh, it wasn't that distracting by the time we got to like the 10 to 15 minute mark. I just think the opening I, was a really, really uh, like hard <laughs> hurdle for me to get past with that little girl singing and her face is just, ooh, it's a little disturbing. But uh, yeah, so the way I feel about it uh, is that it, the writing and the voice acting is all top notch. I mean, they've got a great cast. Yeah. Obviously, Steve Buscemi uh, probably is the... Uh, the highest uh, or most well-known actor. Oh, you've got Kevin James is in there. He plays one of the police officers. And And Jason Lee. Jason Lee, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, obviously, Gyllenhaal, uh, which surprised me that that she was in this. I I forgot that. But um, there are a, you know, there, it all works so well. And the writing is really good too. I think that the dialogue that the kids have is all pretty good. It's exactly mm-hmm. how I talked to my friends when I was a preteen pretty much. Um, and, uh, you know, I think DJ and- But you weren't Tyler peeing was, in Mountain Dew bottles as far as I know. Not, not as far as I remember. Now, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe this movie knows me better than I do. Uh, but yeah, not, not as far as I know. But yeah, the friendship between uh, DJ and Chowder and eventually Chowder. Jenny um, was, uh, was, you know, I liked it. I thought that was really well written. And I agree that the story, especially the backstory that we uh, get later about uh, uh, Steve Buscemi's character, mm-hmm. it was, it's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But now I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this. So what else do you guys want to talk about with Monster House? Anything I'm missing here? Amy and Alistair, go to you guys first. I still kind of want to talk about the animation because I do, like, I animate a lot and do a lot oh, of cool. character designs and drawing and stuff. I do um, 2D animation, but it's still animation. I had some, like, problems with the character designs, like, 
I understand they were trying to go stylized because mm. we watched the uh, what's it called? The special features. Yeah, we watched like the special features stuff, and um, it was just kind of weird because the heads they were too mm. big for their bodies. <laughs> yeah. It was that was kind of odd, and the all the hair just looked like plastic i guess and they move the hair move really weird mm. i didn't like that too much but this one's a nitpicker because he is a animator so you know for the time actually i think that it was um actually pretty decent but again you know I agree. I, I, I really wish, I think that this would have been a much bigger hit if the animation was a cleaner animation, like a 2D animation or even, yeah. you know, a 3D, you know, a 3D animation where, you know, Pixar type of thing or, or whatnot. But because sure. a lot of people are it just do not, and I'm one of them, do not like that Polar Express, you know. Right there's a word for it and I'm, I'm at a loss for it. The, not the motion capture, but uh, the empty Canyon or whatever it is. <laughs> what is that? You know what I'm saying, but it just uncanny, uncanny Valley. Oh uncanny yeah. Valley. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It just it's, doesn't feel right. Yeah. It doesn't feel genuine. And, and, and I do understand why, because cause Zemeckis is known for, he just keeps wanting this to happen. And it, Zemeckis, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Stop give trying up, to make Bob. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> give up the ghost, Bob. Um, oh man, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. I even I had completely forgotten that that. Yeah, that's almost all Zemeckis. That that the polar, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it didn't bother me that much. As I said it, it took a few minutes to get used to, but once I was into the story, I was into the story, and I was good. The only complaint I have is that did anybody notice who did the the voice of the father at the beginning of dj's father oh, fred willard fred willard we didn't get enough fred willard darn it we needed more fred willard and so and now O'Hara. oh oh man rest and rest in peace i mean i can't believe you know that uh some of the people were were losing but fred willard Oh, one of my favorites. And so when I heard his voice, I was like, oh, great. You know, the dad's going to be around and Fred's going to be the comedic character. Nope, dad just disappears. And so that's my only real gripe about Monster House. Other than that, I just had a really good time. Jackson, do you have any more notes on Monster House? Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't remember that they, they have Nevercracker. I guess his name is uh, Steve Buscemi. It's implied. I mean, we're meant to believe right off the bat that he's dead. I mean, he dies yeah. right on screen. <laughs> And we're meant to believe that he's gone for good. Uh, hey, kids, you just watched an elderly man have a heart attack. And <laughs> yeah. Animation. And then we're led to believe that it's all DJ's fault. I mean, he feels guilty about yeah. it for almost the entire runtime. And I'm like, that is, that's pretty heavy. And then we get the whole flashback about Constance and, and uh, her demise. It's pretty graphic. We see her skeleton, her corpse encased in cement down in the basement. Yeah. It's just a really, it's really dark at times. So um, that's, that's definitely something that's tailored more towards the older audiences. Uh, that's something that I think younger audiences would have to watch uh, with their eyes, like through cracks in their fingers. But um, I appreciated it because it didn't feel like it was pulling any punches. No, it doesn't. No, I agree. I agree. So Amy, Alistair, anything else on Monster House? 
Yes. I still think it's weird how we never cracker managed to get that many toys in his basement. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the guy's been, uh, the guy's house has been collecting stuff for a long time, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, that uh, neighborhood is filled with a lot of clumsy kids, I guess, because uh, man, oh man. Um, but it was still like, like I said, I I had a good time with it. Um, I liked everything about the animation. I got used to. So, what would you let's let's what would you rate Monster House? So, um, Amy, you go. You guys go first. Amy and Alistair, Monster House. What would you give it on a one to ten scale? Uh, I really like this movie because it was like one of my first horror movies so i'd say like still around eight nine then nice very nice uh, there's i we wanted to bring up real quick um yeah. alistair had uh that moment every kid has that moment stuck into their brain that that i'm going to be a horror fan and then this movie it was when Constance fell down and got covered by the cement. That was oh. a really tough scene, but piqued interest into the horror genre since then. So, you know, I, I love I love that I know my kids' moments. I love that's that awesome. I yes, that that's the moment that I feel like that we can bond over that that the horror movies forever. We are, we'll always go, we just went and saw the new Halloween together. I don't know if we're ever going to see the new Halloween together ever. Yeah. <laughs> COVID, yeah. when that's yeah. coming out. But uh, th- yeah, we get excited and, 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 and that is something that I think that we'll have forever, just like you and your son. That's some of why I love your podcast so much is having that, that bond with your kid. Um, mm-hmm. This movie, I would definitely, you know, I, I'm not going to rate it that high. Surprisingly enough, I, I'm, it's probably about a 7.5. I'd still say, you know, it's tough to say, like I would rent it possibly and watch it before I would buy it because it is such a borderline movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, you, you got it. This one, you might want to screen before you show it to your kids because it doesn't seem like it would be that tough at the beginning, but towards the end, it, it there's a lot of, a lot of deep issues going on there's a lot of like sadness and 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 drama that some kids might not handle very well so yeah. I, I would definitely you know be ready for that it's again i'm not trying to turn people away from it i definitely want people to see this this is the big reason why i wanted to talk about this movie is yeah. i would really like people to watch this and i and, and even if you are older i do think that you should give this one a shot because believe it or not, being a kid's movie, it still is a good watch. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Jackson, what about you, buddy? I'd say it's sitting at like a 7.5, maybe borderline eight. Um, mm-hmm. This is nostalgia. A lot of it for me, I think it's a really good movie, uh, but I don't know what I would think watching this on the first time, like viewing nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I think 7.5, it is a great introduction uh, and a lot of it has to do with the subject matter rather than the imagery, though the, the house is pretty scary. So that's where I rest at 7.5. I'm about right there with you. And I would say definitely rent it. Like I rented it off Amazon today and watched it. And I, 
Um, glad I did. It was worth uh, whatever it was three ninety nine or 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 whatnot. Um, before we wrap up, though, I want to throw in one other thing that I always talk about, and Jackson knows this. When we talk about gateway horror, or, you know that kind of stuff, you have to go back. And this is very important, listeners. Very very important. Scooby Doo. Scooby Dooby Doo. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo. Where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby Doo. I see you. Pretending you got a sliver. You're not fooling me. Cause I can see. You shake and shiver You know we got a mystery to solve So Scooby-Doo, be ready for your act Don't hold back And Scooby-Doo, if you come through You're gonna have yourself a Scooby snack Scooby-Dooby-Doo, here are you You're ready and you're willing If we can count on you, Scooby-Doo I know we'll catch that feeling is wonderful but you got to go back to the very first one scooby-doo where are you from 1969 1970 you got to get there because one that way you don't risk having scrappy do in it um that's important. <laughs> no scrappy um you got to go back casey Kasem doing shaggy's voice you got it you got to have all that so you got to go back to the original you got to check out scooby-doo where are you i haven't seen the new scoob thing i haven't seen uh, the movies, the last ones I saw, the ones with Freddie Prinze Jr. and all that kind of stuff. No oh boy. And uh, that, you know, that's been a while. There's, those were okay. But I'm just Matthew Lillard. He's a, he's a good. Those. But Matthew Lillard was good. Yeah. I, yeah, I will give you that. He was, he was good. He's great at playing those kind of over-the-top characters anyway. Mm-hmm. And Scream as well. He basically plays Shaggy and Scream if Shaggy was a serial killer. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so I just have to throw that out there. I'm just saying Scooby-Doo. So any other Scooby-Doo fans out there? Amy, are you a Scooby-Doo fan? Oh, no, I, I love Scooby-Doo. I, and, and, and I even like the ones that you're talking about. I mean, James Gunn is the one who wrote those movies. That's true. And I, I you know, I, are they silly? Yeah, but they yeah. were meant to be silly. I think that they're, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. They're definitely something that even my my uh, scaredy cat one can sit down and enjoy absolutely what about jackson have i raised you right are you a scooby-doo fan oh yeah definitely i, oh, okay, I mean good. i like the show i would say more than the movies uh those hanna barbera cartoons uh, mm-hmm. are really great uh there's a, there's a certain charm to it where you can tell it's really like cheap animation like you can tell one of my favorite podcasts the weekly planet they're talking about the fact that whenever something is hidden in rubble and it's beneath a a boulder the boulder that hides the secret is colored differently from the rest of the boulders because they just use a stock boulder like image for the rest of them uh, which i thought was really funny but uh yeah and i I also like the first movie um written by james gunn and uh with matthew lillard but uh i haven't seen scoob i I heard some controversy about it um but uh, yeah, I would say I'm I'm not so much like a diehard fan. I don't know every episode, even though I I would say pretty much the mystery is is the same every single time. But that's the that's the charm of it. 
Um, so yeah, I would say Scooby-Doo is the best introduction for younger kids because you got a cute talking dog and his friend who likes to eat sandwiches. It's, it's kind of just like a really lighthearted thing, but occasionally there are some pretty scary characters. There's some, uh, there's some ghosts and whatnot, but it's always revealed that, uh, it's people behind it, which I think really grounds it and doesn't scar kids too much. Well, all I know is that, you know, um, because I'm about 30 minutes away from Huntington, West Virginia, where there is a creepy amusement park. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of hoping that, you know, maybe, maybe one day, you know, I will be that meddling kid. <laughs> you'll be, you'll and be part I will, of the gang. That's right. You darn Skippy. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. But so um, want to thank, you know, Amy, thank you and Alistair so much for being on and for supporting the podcast. We appreciate it. So where can people find you guys online? Uh, I'm at, uh, I'm actually playing roller derby and believe it or not, there's a lot of roller derby fans out, uh, horror fans that are roller derby players. Wow. I play for wow. Shoreline Roller Derby and that's in uh, uh, Mystic, Connecticut. And uh, my derby name is Shaka Swan. Oh, Nice. And uh, you can find me on Shaka Swan on Twitter and Shoreline Roller Derby is on Twitter and on Facebook. And we'd love it if you, you like our Facebook page or on Twitter and join us on there. And I'd love it if you joined me on Twitter. Twitter, I just joined up so that I could be in the horror movie podcast conversation. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, and also before we sign off, I want to note that we're recording this on June 7th, but shortly after this podcast drops, your trusty co-host Jackson will be turning 17. So happy early birthday, buddy. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to being able to go. I am, I, the best birthday gift in the world would be being able to go and see already movies uh, without somebody over 21 accompanying me. Uh, (laughs) Halloween kills. I was, uh, I was like, oh yes, Halloween kills, Candyman, the new Wes Anderson movie. I'm going to see that as soon as I turn 17. And then this whole quarantine thing happened and who knows when we'll be going back to theaters, but yeah, I appreciate that. They are opening theaters back up here in Ohio. I don't know at what capacity, but this is a good argument. And I think Joe Bob would agree with me. This is why the drive-in should never have died. Exactly. Just saying, just saying. So uh, just a reminder, folks, we have a Patreon page with tiers and exclusive content. Uh, we hope to record a new podcast, podcast excuse me, on metal and horror in the next week or so now that Jackson's back from his vacation. Um, and so we would appreciate your support there. We'll uh, reveal our pick for next week in a few, but first you can find us at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. We're also on Twitter as Father Son Horror, and we also have a closed Facebook group and an Instagram account. So Jackson, where can they find you online, buddy? Well, on Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. And you can also find my, U- my YouTube channel uh, just floating around the interwebs. There you go. And they can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as Pastor Matt R. But so I kind of gave a little bit of a preview, a foreshadow of what we're going to be covering next line next time. I, I usually I like to cover movies that are widely available online to stream, but I couldn't wait any longer on this one. Darn it. We just we've got to do it. So is next that, time. Hold on a second. Go uh, for does, it. I think Alistair has something to say. Do you have something? To say? Oh, Alistair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a YouTube. I hope so. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Give it out. Give it out. Give it out. It's Blue Pariah, B-L-U-E space P-A-R-Y-A, and I post my animations on there. Oh, cool. 
And awesome. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. Check that out, guys. So next time we are covering yet another Joe Dante classic. This one from 1981, The Howling. Yes. Yes. Finally getting to The Howling. I love this movie so much. I'm getting ready to write a uh, blog post on why I love it so much before we cover it. And I cannot believe, uh, because I had a back and forth on Twitter this week, that I have to convince Wolfman Josh to like The Howling. Oh, man. He doesn't like the howling. As a Wolfman fan, how can he? How can he do that? I mean, that's one of the classics, and of course, the howling too. Uh, Your sister's a werewolf. One of the best sequels of all time. Everybody knows that. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Sybil Danning. I think that's Sybil Danning's uh, crowning achievement in her whole career. Oh, that movie! That movie! That that movie is so bad it's good. But then you get to uh, Howling Three, the marsupials, which is just so bad it's just bad. Um, (laughs) They couldn't quite decide on the quality uh, level, could they? The first one is great. The second one is uh, hilarious, and the third one is just revolting. The, the third one, literally, I was I made the mistake of eating while watching, and <laughs> I had to stop eating um, because it's just that gross. Uh, but anyway, so we will get to the howling next week. Tune in. We want to thank you all. So say goodbye to the good people, buddy. Goodbye, and remember to teach them young and teach them right. That's right. And so again, Amy and Alistair, thanks for being on. Be sure to check out their stuff online. See you next time. Remember that the family that watches horror together slays together. See ya.